Hi, welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids. It is my passion and my privilege to share with young moms tips and tools to make your journey easier. This week, we're continuing talking about managing your busy life. And we left off last week with God's guidelines for friendships. And these are really interesting. You know, Proverbs 18:24 says, a friend sticketh closer than a brother, and a friend loves at all times. So we need to learn to be incessant encouragers. When you have friends, learn to pray for them, send notes of appreciation, and be specific in your praise. Only, you've got to prioritize your friendships because you've only got time for so much before it messes with your priorities for your family. So there's a handout I'm going to give you this week. It's called Ten Commandments of Friendship. And I think I got it from that Elizabeth, um, Elizabeth, no, Elizabeth George book. I'm sorry. The Elizabeth George book, Life Management for Busy Women. Okay, so the first commandment for Ten Commandments of Friendship is speak to people. You know, there's nothing as nice as a cheerful word of greeting. And I just want to give you an example of this. Years ago, one of my teenage girls mentioned to me that there was a woman in church, an older woman, who looked like she was mad all the time. And I said, you know what? I don't really think she's mad. I think she's just shy. She doesn't interact with people. Why don't you go over and talk to her? So my daughter did. She went over and talked to her. Every week she'd go and talk to her and befriend her. And as it turned out, this woman had two sons who were grown. She'd never had any daughters. And she asked me one day, she said, can I be a second mom to your daughter? And she did. They developed a wonderful friendship. And she started collecting items to make a hope chest. It was in a big Rubbermaid tub, but it was a hope chest she made for my daughter before she even met the guy she was going to marry. She started years before. She'd go shop the sale. She loved to shop, and she would get dishes and, and all kinds of things to save for my daughter when she got married. And even now, this lady's still living. Um, she's pretty elderly, but this daughter is now married. She has three little boys, and just a few months ago, her youngest child turned one. And I walked, I opened my door in the morning, walked outside, and here was this wooden rocking chair in one of those big, large present wrappers that she had dropped off for my daughter's youngest son. So it's just amazing. I mean, it, it um, you know, if she had not reached out to her and talked to her, she did it to be a blessing. She didn't, she had no clue that it would benefit her, too. She did it to be a blessing, and it's really been such a benefit in her life. She's gotten to know this woman and invest in her life. Recently, this woman's husband went into um, full-time care, and she goes to visit him every day. But this daughter of mine will bring her meals. She will minister to her still and go visit both of them. You know, when, she, when she's visiting her husband, she'll bring her sons over to visit them, which is such a joy to them. So all that to say, speak to people, you know, especially if you see somebody that looks like nobody's talking to them or that they don't look happy or they look shy or they look forgotten, reach out to those people. Second rule, smile at people. 
It takes 72 muscles to frown and only 14 to smile. You know, I love to do that to strangers, even in a store, and often the hardest looking people will respond to a smile. You never know whose day you will make by smiling at them. Generally, people will smile back at you. Number three, call people by name. The sweetest music to anyone's ear is the sound of their own name. And boy, I wish my memory was better with this one. Um, I'm not really good with names, but try to associate the name so that you can remember it. Number four, be friendly and helpful. If you would have friends, be friendly. And I'm going to give you another example. When my 10-year-old, um, we went to church one day, and I said, you know, you can have a ministry in church. And she says, me? I'm 10. I said, yeah. Today, I want you to look around church, and I want you to pick out somebody who you can go up to, an older person, after church, and give them a hug. And she chose this World War II veteran, and she went up and she gave him a hug. And every week, he would wait for her to come up to him and get his hug. You'd see him stand up and look around church, waiting for her to come over and hug him. And then we started visiting him, and we started hearing his life story. And he would tell us about his wife who had died, and we would go on his birthday, we'd bring him a big cake. Sometimes we'd bring other families to help us celebrate his birthday. And we just ministered to him often. You know, we went to his house often. But your, even your little kids can have a ministry by reaching out to others. You know, widows or widowers, they, they're often so lonely, and it means a lot to them to get a hug from a young person. And then to have a young person come to their house and ask about their life and, and their ministry and how they got saved and bring them treats and bring them meals, you know, it, it's so encouraging to them. My youngest daughter that, we would, that I would take to minister to this man she actually built a treehouse, and she named her treehouse after him. And we built a ramp up to the treehouse because she wanted to come and show him her treehouse. She had a picture of him hanging in it. And, you know, he looked so proud to walk up her treehouse and see that it was named after him. And he was her best friend. At one point, I asked her, who's your best friend? And she said, Mr. Reed is my best friend. And... It's just amazing what it will do when you teach your kids to reach out to others. It makes them not focus on themselves, not think of what I want, what's going to please me, what do I want to do. They're involved and in investing in the lives of others and meeting their needs. You know, teach your kids to listen to little hints of things that they can do to minister to those people. And it's amazing. You'll find lots of things they can do. Number five, be cordial. Speak and act as if everything that you do were a real pleasure. Um, my, one of the teenagers in the Christian school, our church has a Christian school, and one of the teenagers who goes there was telling me the administrator of our Christian school makes everybody feel like they're the only person in the school. He interacts with them. He talks with them. He makes them feel special. And that is such a good testimony. That's what we need to do with people. When you're talking to someone, instead of looking over their shoulder to see what's going on, or unless you're watching your little kids, that, that happens. You've got to keep your eye on them. But you know, if you focus on what they're saying and make them feel like they're special and they're important and what they're saying is important to you, even if it's something that's not very interesting to you, we need to learn to do that. 
There's another man who is actually a, he owns a car repair shop, but he studied to be a dentist and he has his dentist degree. But while he was going to dental school, he fixed up a car for himself, got a wreck or something, fixed it up and drove it to school every day. And other students would start saying, hey, can you fix me a car? And he started doing that. So then I guess he ended up making more money fixing cars. He has this huge business now than he did being a dentist. But he's the same way. I mean, you walk into his office and it's piled high with papers. I mean, the phone's ringing off the hook. It's really hard to get your turn to get in to talk to him because he's so busy. But when you do get in there and you're sitting across from his desk, he makes you feel like you are the only person in the world. He focuses on you, he's concerned about you. He even remembers some of the things you told him about your life before, like what you're doing. He, he knew that we wrote books and that we traveled and spoke at conventions and he'd ask us how that was going. And you know, he's, he just makes everybody feel special and that's what I want to do. That's my goal and that's my goal to teach my kids, to make others feel like there's nothing you'd rather do than be talking with them even if you live a very busy life. It's something that we can learn to cultivate. Number six, be genuinely interested in people. You know, you can like something about everybody if you try. People are made in the image of God, and we need to look for that thing, that, that quality in another person that we can like and compliment them on it. Look for the positive. It's so easy to focus on the negative. You know, even with our kids, we are responsible to train them to be servants of God, and we're, it's so easy to focus on the negative, to see what they're doing wrong. You could have done that better. You should have said that better. You didn't clean this well enough. Instead, we need to learn to focus on the positive with our kids and others. Look for what you can compliment. Look for what you can genuinely um, give them a compliment on to praise them for something and learn not to focus on the negative. Number seven, be generous with praise and cautious with criticism. Some people are just prone to criticize. They see the negative. They see um, where you didn't put a comma at the end of your sentence middle of your sentence or whatever. They just, they see the negative. It pops out to them. We need to learn to cultivate not being like that. Be slow to criticize. Think before you speak. Proverbs tells us pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. We need to have pleasant speech. We need to encourage others. Be generous with your praise. Make it a treasure hunt to look for something that you can praise in other people's lives instead of always being negative. People will not want to be around you. They'll not want to be your friend if you're always focused on what's negative. And you've, you've been around people like that. You know, nothing's ever right. Everything bad happens to them. Um, you know, it's too hot. It's too cold. It didn't snow enough. Uh, snowed too much. I mean, they're never satisfied with anything, and we don't want to be people like that. We need to teach our kids to not be people like that. Number eight, be considerate of the feelings of others. It will be appreciated. That verse in Matthew, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, is so important. 
One of the pastors in our church um, makes me think of this. He's always telling jokes, but on himself. He'll tell about the really dumb things he did, but I've never heard him tell a dumb thing that somebody else did. He's always telling on himself. Just as an example, like he was saying how he's not very mechanical. It doesn't come naturally to him. And one day he took the pipe out from under a clogged up sink. And he was very, very careful not to spill the water on the floor. And he took it and he dumped that nasty water down the sink. Which, of course, there wasn't a pipe there. So it splashed and got on everything, including himself. And he's constantly, he's got the most funny stories, but it's always things that he did. He never embarrasses other people by telling funny stories about them. Number nine, be thoughtful of the opinions of others, even if you strongly disagree. You know, they have the right to their opinion. They might actually come to you later. I've had this happen a lot. We started homeschooling, just for an example, long before anybody really heard about it. And we had a lot of criticism in that. And, but I would see through the years how some of the people that were our biggest critics would later come and say, hey, I've been thinking that maybe I'd like to start doing this. Could you help me get started? And maybe they won't. I mean, maybe they will never come to you to ask your opinion. But we need to realize that God deals with people at different rates. We need to be patient with others and let God deal with them in his timing and not try to mold them into what we want them to be or make them think what we think. You know, we're so strong in what we think, but we can't make everyone else. We can't manipulate others to think what we think. We need to let them be their own person and let God deal with them in his own timing. Number 10, last one, be alert to give service. What counts most or so much in life is what we do for others. You know, God has left us here to be servants to him, and a large part of that is ministering to others. Train yourself and train your kids to put on the glasses of service, to see needs that you can meet in others. Um, once my, one of my daughters went with me to speak to a women's group, and she was talking about learning to have a servant's heart. And she, she was about 20 at the time. She said, often the hardest area to learn to have a servant's heart is in your own family. And she said, actually, what often appears as interruptions are actually God's to-do list for me. She said, Dad will come and ask for help with his computer. He's not very tech savvy. And, or her older sister will call and say, I'm shopping. Can you check the ingredients for me? Here's a list of things to check. Or her younger sister would come and tell her all about her World War II book and go on and on and on, all about this book she was excited about. But she was saying what she has found is this was actually God's will for her. Instead of what she had planned, these interruptions are actually God's will for her at the time to serve others. She was also saying to look for ways to be a blessing, help others with their chores, clean her sister's car to surprise her or take your younger sister out for ice cream. You know, look for ways to serve others. And then beyond the family, there's so many needs. Learn to watch for them. Teach your kids to watch for them. Find a mom that just had a new baby. We just had a new grandchild, and I've been helping my daughter a lot. And there's just so many things that others can do to help a mom with a new baby. For instance, you can do a grocery pickup for her. Let her order her groceries online. You go pick up the groceries carrier, 
carry them in the house, and put them away for her. You could sweep the floor for her. You could watch her, she has other children, you could watch her other children while she's doing something with the baby, feeding the baby. You can hold the baby while she takes a nap. You can hold the baby while she takes a shower. You can make a meal for her and bring it there. Just, that's just a young mom. You know, there's so many things you can do to help them. Look for ways to serve in the church. You know, you can sing in the choir. You can help with children's ministries. You can invite people over. We live in a college town, and there's lots of college students coming through our town constantly, and they're always wanting a home-cooked meal. So they'll hardly ever turn you down. We've done a lot of that through the years. Have widower suppers. We've got many widowers in our church. And when you think about it, their wife has died. Their wife, who used to do all the cooking, is no longer with them. They usually will just buy some frozen Marie calendar dinner or something and warm it up in the oven or have a sandwich. They don't have home-cooked meals. Well, if you invite them over and make a big deal about it, they feel so honored and so blessed. Um, in this little book, Character in Action, we've got tons of ideas of how you can serve others. And if you're looking for ideas to help get your family involved, these are ideas that even little kids can do and help you with. We've got one story about serving Mr. Stevens. He was a widower. He still is. He goes to our church. He's pretty old. I invited my grandkids over, and they had their little aprons on, and they took his order, his drink order, and they set the table. They helped me make dinner. They served it. If he ran out of a drink, they'd refill it. And then they talked to him. They sat and they talked to him, and they asked him about his life. And it was such a blessing. He said, we took pictures to put in this book. He said, I feel like paparazzi. You know, I feel so honored and so blessed to be here this evening. And he remembered, we've done it more than once. We've done it many times. But it's a way to honor somebody. And then whenever, sometimes we have widower dinners and invite several widowers at a time. And we will always make extra food and we'll send them home with leftovers. So they'll have another meal tomorrow night. And they are so grateful for that. It's amazing. Visit the elderly. Oh, we have done that. It's been such a blessing. We have reached out to elderly people, shut-ins, and we do it to minister to them, but we end up feeling so blessed by them in the end. We are more blessed than they are. Um, just to interact with them, to learn about their life, to learn about their ministry. I think of this couple that were retired, uh, retired missionaries. They were in Germany, and they were there when Hitler was there. They were at a big meeting where everyone was saying, Heil Hitler, and they had to get out of there really quickly. Um, but they got to where they were shut-ins, and I would take one of my daughters especially, often several of my kids, but one of my daughters especially kind of took them on as her ministry. And she couldn't drive yet. I'd take her there, and I'd teach her to listen for little tips of things that she could do for them, like Aunt Lily liked purple flowers and Cadbury candy bars, and Uncle Jim was a diabetic, but he liked those little jellies and jams that you get when you go to the restaurant. So if we'd go to Cracker Barrel, she'd ask the waitress, could I take a couple of these to give to my Uncle Jim? And they'd say, sure. Um, 
And then we just talk to them. We'd sometimes sing with them. We'd tell them what was going on in church because they, they couldn't come to church anymore. He had a prosthetic leg, and it was just too difficult. There are some times when we started ministering to them, they did come to church, and we'd wait for them, and we'd push him in his wheelchair and help and sit by him in church. But when he got to where he couldn't come to church, then we'd tell them what was going on in church and maybe bring them a bulletin so they could look at it. Um, just find ways to be a blessing. And we'd pull up, you know, we'd tell them we were coming, we'd pull up, and Uncle Jim would be sitting there looking at his watch. Well, I expected you five minutes ago. You know, it was just, it made his day when we would come see them. And this daughter told me, Mom, you did it to help me be a servant, and I appreciate that, but it has blessed me so much. I remember we went to see them when he was in the hospital. We thought that he was dying. He did not die at that point. He lived to be 100, but he was in very bad shape. But we went to visit him, and he was kind of hallucinating from the drugs that he was on, but what he was hallucinating about made such an impression on my daughter. He said, you know, I was in China today, and there was a lady from China begging me to come and share the gospel. And I told her, well, they've got me kind of busy here. But she begged me and begged me. So I went and I shared the gospel to these people. And it just it impacted us so much that he was hallucinating about sharing the gospel. And the last time we saw him, just before he did die, he, he prayed with us and he quoted Psalm 23 in German, because he was a missionary to Germany. You know, sometimes he couldn't remember what he had for lunch that day, but he remembered what he did to minister. And it was such a blessing to us. You know, we will not be the same people after hearing his stories and his, about his life and his ministry. Another thing you can do is help struggling single moms. They have so much on them. We sometimes will pick a single mom and at Christmas time get gifts for her children and see what their ages are, what their likes are, and bring them gifts because it's hard for a mom, single mom to make it any time, but especially at Christmas where there's extra financial burdens. Or find someone whose dad is out of work and bring them a meal. We've done that before. Um, one of my daughters once wanted to mentor some younger girls. She was an older teenager. She wanted to mentor some younger teenagers. So she had an idea, which has become one of our traditions now. She invited them over. They made Christmas cookies. They went to the Dollar Tree and got big platters to put the cookies on. They got tracks, Christmas tracks from church, and little cards, and they wrote letters of thankfulness to emergency service people, our sheriff's department, our volunteer fire department. And then she brought the girls around and they delivered the cookies to these emergency service people with a Christmas track and a letter of appreciation. And we've done that like almost every year since then. But it, it's a blessing to them. It's a way to spread the gospel. You know, at Christmas time, people are so much more open to the gospel. I've continued that tradition now with my grandchildren. And we will do that in our local sheriff's department. They usually recognize us when we walk in because we've been there so many times. But we do appreciate them. You know, we appreciate what they do for the community all year long. And the fire department, you know, it, it's so wonderful to help people appreciate others and to lead them and guide them and be a leader 
in helping them express that appreciation. It takes the focus off of ourselves and puts it on others. And then visiting um, veterans, oh boy. I'll go into that a little bit later, but wow, it's, it's amazing what we've done, what we've learned reaching out to veterans. Okay, managing your mind. You know what? Let me just tell you about veterans right now while it's on my mind. We started ministering to World War II vets. One of my daughters got very interested. We'd see men in Walmart with their World War II veteran cap on. So we'd go up and introduce them and ask if we could meet with them later and talk with them. And we met some of the most amazing veterans. Oh, wow. We met a man who survived the Bataan Death March. And he was not bitter. He said the Japanese were just doing what they were told. And we were doing what we were told. And he, they told him when he got out of the army that he would die early because of the starvation, the mistreatment, the torture. And he lived to be 100. He died when he was 100 years old, and he was just the amazing man. He gave glory to God for preserving him through that time. We met a veteran who was flying ace in World War II. He flew his plane underneath the Eiffel Tower and shot down a German Messerschmitt. And years later, he, he lived about an hour from us, and we would go visit him. We met him at the D-Day Memorial and introduced ourselves and arranged a time to visit him and we went out there multiple times to visit him. But years later, a man knocked on his door. He said, are you Mr. Overstreet? He said, yes, I am. He said, well, my dad was standing underneath the Eiffel Tower when you flew underneath and shot down that German Messerschmitt. And I just want to thank you for helping to liberate Paris. Uh, it's just amazing. We learned so much about history as a byproduct, but we learned so much about honoring and investing in others. And I can't emphasize enough what a blessing it has been. There are Vietnam vets you could interview. There's not too many World War II vets left. And they got a bum rap when they came back to our country. They deserve our honor. Take your kids. They will learn so much about history, but they'll learn about people. They'll learn how to honor. They'll learn how to appreciate others. And wow, I can promise you, when you learn to invest in others, God's going to pour out a double blessing on you, and it will become a pattern for the rest of your life, the rest of your kids' lives. So I want to challenge you this very week to look for opportunities to pour your life out for the Lord and invest in others and be a blessing. If you are looking for ideas that you can do with your family, even little kids, character and action will help you. And please remember, there is a handout that you can access. We'll give you a link in the show notes, 10 Commandments of Friendship. And there's also another part that we're going to cover next week, a prayer for living out God's plan. So I hope this has been helpful. Join us next week, and we're going to finish up this topic. I hope it's been a blessing to you. Thanks for joining us.